Hi, and welcome to Renton Christian Center's Recorded Ministries. As members of the body of Christ, we offer love and encouragement to everyone. As Pastor Alex leads us through God's Word, we hope you will be lifted and filled with joy as we open our hearts and minds to the love of Jesus and the hope He gives us all. say a special thanks again to everyone who helped out with uh, Norm's uh, memorial service a couple of weeks ago. I was uh, talking with Heather, um, his daughter, and uh, just asking how things were going in terms of making arrangements. The, the family's, you know, not a real strong, cohesive unit, so Heather's kind of out there by herself trying to make arrangements for the funeral home and the cremation and all the other things that go along with it, and Apparently, they, they agreed to take care of some of the services and let her pay later. So I, I emailed her and said, how's it going? She, we took a little offering for her at the memorial, and a, a little bit came in. But anyway, she said, I'm really close. I have to choose paying rent and risking eviction or making my next payment for the funeral home. So I just said, you know, we need to just take an offering for that girl. Uh, she hasn't been a part of our church for most of her life, except when she was a little tiny baby when we first met her. Um, but we believe God's drawn her, drawn her in. So can, we, can somebody just grab a basket maybe and just put it on the sound booth back there? And this is gonna go for Heather, I don't even know her last name. Why don't you just write it out to RCC if you have a check and put Heather in the byline and we'll make sure you get credit for that. Or if you can put some cash in there. Let's, I have no idea what the costs are, but I know that she's kind of, it's survival versus paying that bill, it would be really, really awesome. You're a generous body. And in fact, there's one more gal who's uh, been part of our body recently. Her name is Melicia, and she said that uh, some of you have been taking care of her family as well. She just wanted to say thank you. So, Melicia, would you come up? Yeah. I don't really think I need this. I'm pretty loud. That's okay. We <laughs> okay. Um, I'm a little emotional, so... I need everybody to bear with me. Um, quick little story about myself. Um, I am a year shy survivor of domestic violence. Me and my three girls, my five-year-old twins and my nine-year-old daughter, um, we got away and we're healing. And the church I was going to, I wasn't getting the whole, I wasn't getting the goosebumps is what I call them because God gives me goosebumps when I talk about him and I spread his word and when I hear it and I wasn't getting it at the church and Janet and her husband come here and they had told one part of Vine Maple Place, that's where I had gotten blessed God finally after I quit blaming him. I dropped to my knees and I asked him to forgive me and that it's not, why is he doing this? It's a journey that I am taking that has made me to who I am today. And um, I didn't, this time last year, I was fighting on if I was gonna make it or not, or if I was gonna make it a, a, another second, another day, if I was gonna say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. And this year, one of the girls, Allison, she's a teenager here that goes to this church, gave me a jar and on that letter of that jar it said that all year long she saves her pennies her change all her quarters all her leftover change and she saves it for one year and she picks a family at the holidays 
to give this jar of money to that she saved, and she picked my family. And that was amazing. I've, I haven't been with the church very long, um, but just all of the people that have been there for me, Janet and her husband and her best friend, gave me a Christmas tree and Christmas presents for my babies, um, so I didn't have to worry about that. Turkey dinner. Uh-huh. All the love and everybody knowing my name and just the amount of love I feel from this church compared to what the church I had been going to and my kids have been going to since they were little is amazing. And I want that, I want Allison to know that she's, once it's a candy cane jar, and I'm now going to take that jar that she gave me, and I'm going to keep in that jar, and now it's my turn, and me and my kids, all the pennies, all the dimes, the leftover, the ones, all, I am a hairdresser, so ones come a lot, can't give them all, but I, you know, as much as I don't have a lot to give, and I'm barely making rent, and that jar made it so I wasn't short on rent, and I am going to fill that, and then I'm going to pick a family, but I'm going to add stipulations to the jar. The jar has to, has to be the same jar. <laughs> the jar, <laughs> it has to be the jar that she picked, the Christmas jar, and it has to be passed on, and that jar, and then then another family can be blessed and blessed. So I want her to know, and she's not here, and I know that, but I wanted everybody that knows her, because I don't even know her, I'd have no idea what she even looks like, um, that she did everything everybody's done has been amazing. Working with my daughter, my youngest one, Pam, thank you so much for working with my daughter. Uh, They all suffer from PTSD, which isn't an easy thing for me as a mother to explain to people and people don't understand the, why'd your kids, why'd you stay if your kids got beat? And I always wondered that until I was in it. And all I know is I got away and I'm alive. My babies are alive and we're getting all the help besides church, counseling, home. <laughs> and it all really wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for God, really, truthfully, because I didn't pray to him during when I was getting beat. I was like, why, 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 why? And I'm like, somewhere in my mind, somebody was like, you don't ever why God. Well, I'm asking him why, because this is a little major. I know I can, he only gives you so much, but my back's about to break. And um, I dropped to my knees on Easter of last year when I went into the, and admitted that I had been abused for seven years and went into a high-risk shelter. And from that moment on, when I dropped to my knees and I told him sorry and that I was gonna live right by him and I was going to give up the demons that I was giving alcohol, whatever it was I was trying to cover and mask and pray to him and lean on him and have him be my vice and realize that he set the quote-unquote rules and way of living not as rules, like I don't like rules, I don't like people telling me what to do, but (laughs) that's not what I look at it as in those. He was setting those for me so I don't harm myself, so I'm not harm, so I stay out of harm's way, and I'm not doing, I'm not being out with any man or, or drinking and all those things that come with hurt and pain 
and living right by him. And I'm human, I slip up, but I don't slip up like I used to. And mostly it's because I, everything I've asked for, I've gotten my whole life, except for the seven years I didn't pray to God, I didn't get anything. It didn't matter how hard I tried, whatever I did, I never got it. I could, never got the money, I never got the car, I was so close, I'd get one battle and then it'd be like three other things would happen. And literally, since April, I have prayed every single day. I even pray to him to make me go to sleep sometimes because that is a doozy with twins. <laughs> and I've gotten it. Like, my house, out of every house at Vine Maple Place was the only house that had everything I asked God for. I asked him, I said, you know, this is a lot. I'm asking for a dishwasher, but I need a dishwasher. Out of all nine complexes, mm -hmm. I was the only one with a dishwasher. Mm -hmm. Praise God. So, Wonderful. he's amazing, and thank you guys you. are amazing. And yes, so Father, you. we thank you so much for your faithfulness. You have been faithful to Melisha, and I thank you, Lord God, that you've started this journey so she can finish it and finish well, but we want to pray, Father, extra covering over her right now, Lord God, because the journey's not over. There may be some ups and downs. There may be some twists and turns. But we know that you will be there. You will be with Melicia and her girls. And we ask that you complete the work that you've begun. The healing, Lord God, the provision, the work, the counseling, everything, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. And church said? Amen. 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 Thank you for sharing. Wow. Can we give God a hand? That's awesome. Yes. Thank you, Lord. You're awesome, Lord. That is so cool, Melissa. Thank you for sharing that because. Um, I got goosebumps. He gave goosebumps when I was telling him. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I, uh, I often question, Lord, why do you give us like these vision statements? Because they seem a little plastic sometimes until times like this. When, when I see how God is loving us, mending us, training us. I love how you're turning around and doing what's been done to you, putting that jar out for your kids as well, training them, and sending us into, back into life every single day. That is our mission field. We're called to first be followers of Christ and then to make followers of Christ. We do that by example and by influence. And what's so cool about your story is Allison Ward is the gal you're talking about, was not raised in church, just became a Christian a couple of years ago, and is just now walking out her Christianity in living color as well. It's like That to me is such a hallelujah. That's why we do what we do. All right, if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19. If you didn't bring a Bible, we got plenty of extras. Raise your hand, love to share, but make sure you bring, if you don't have your own, uh, we'll help you get one, but if you do have your own, bring your Bibles. We want to get used to using the book Wear these pages out, mark them up, and uh, remember where things are so you can find them when you're not in church on Sunday morning. A couple of uh, weeks ago, before Dana shared, and by the way, uh, Dana's message was just phenomenal, I think, and I, I know a lot of you thought so as well. Um, but a, a couple of weeks ago, before that, I I'd shared a word about the coming year. It hadn't yet become 2016, and, and one of the lines that God gave me that I, that's really impacted me was this, that before we arrive at a single day in 2016, God has already been there. It is all familiar territory 
to him. We have nothing to fear. He's already there. So I want to I just kind of keep that concept in front of us this morning and, and talk about how we can keep Jesus in the center of our lives for the entire 365 days of this year. And I want to do that by, by talking about this, this precious young man in Matthew chapter 19. Most of you know of him as the, the rich young ruler. And uh, he's gotten quite a bit of bad press over the years. And uh, like every character in the Bible, we have a lot to learn, not only from him, but what from Jesus said back to him. So let's take a look at the story in, in Matthew 19, beginning at verse 16. Yeah, Matthew 19, 16. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Well, which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, Well, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All of these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth, implying he had come to depend greatly on his wealth. I think one of the greatest dangers in a, a fairly wealthy culture like ours is the danger of boredom. We have so many things so well arranged, so much of the time, life gets pretty darn comfortable and manageable. Wouldn't you agree? In my opinion, at least half of the sins we commit are a result of boredom. We need excitement, we need change, we need to be daring, we need some adrenaline, we need something. Not all of it is in-your-face temptation. A lot of times we just get flat-out bored. And I think it's fascinating that this rich young ruler was probably one of the young urban professionals who had that amazing new job making 140 grand at Amazon of his day. And he was probably 22, you know. And I have a feeling he was bored. But not everything about this kid was bad. You have to remember, uh, before you criticize him, the story begins in verse 16 when it says, Just then, a man came up and asked Jesus, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? He, 
He was moving in the right direction. He wasn't running from Jesus. He wasn't going to the Pharisees. He wasn't running off to the temple or the countryside or back to work. He went to Jesus. Great first step. And I don't think he went to justify himself. I think he was genuinely hungry for some answers. Everybody kind of wants to be right with God somewhere inside of themselves. And to back that up, it, it really is telling that at the very beginning of the story, it says, just then, just then. Well, you have to ask, just when? Well, right before it, it's right where Jesus is talking to the disciples about children are the ones that really have it right. They come with the tender hearts and they come with eyes wide open and expecting great things from God and, and they're so trusting and humble and, and just real with God. And I have a feeling this rich young ruler was right there on the outer circle listening to the entire dialogue between Jesus and his disciples and seeing the example Jesus had just given, he was probably saying to himself, well, I can do that. I'm one of those. I think there was a genuine hunger and desire in his heart to hear from God and to get something right. One of the things you and I really can always do it really takes no extra smarts, Bible study, skill, talent of any kind. One of the things we can always do is come to Jesus like a child. Can you just say amen to that? It takes, it takes no extra brilliance. I, I want to just kind of seal that in your mind because when we come to Jesus, you have to realize he's always, 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 always there. First simple thing we can really embrace this year is he's with us. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. Wherever you end up, he's already been there. Can we just say, thank you, Father. I'm ready. I can, I can embrace my future for that reason alone. The second thing I, I love about this story is um, Jesus' answer is kind of like the scripted religious answer when the young men said, what am I missing? What do I lack? And actually, it was before that. It was, it was when he says, how do I get to eternal life? What good thing must I do? That was the question. It's kind of like he was looking for a, um, an agenda to follow, a list of requirements, and you know, what, what do I have to achieve? What must I accomplish? Kind of in his mind, probably like a good old Jew, and many of us, we think, what do I have to do to earn my way there, right? Got some work to do. And so Jesus kind of went along with that line of reasoning and he began going through the list of some of the commandments. And, and notice most of them were the negative ones, the prohibitive commandments. You shall not lie. You shall not steal. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. But most of them were kind of like the negatives, you know? And I think it's interesting because his answer was all of these I have kept. I've done it. This is where I, I think he began to realize I'm doing all the right things. I'm keeping the formula. I mean, I've got you know, the Pharisees and everybody, the Sadducees and everybody, all my teachers have been saying, here's how you please God. And I'm just kind of dead inside. There's something missing. What do I lack? I think he was missing spiritual adventure. He, he was missing 
the thing that only Jesus in the person of the Holy Spirit can provide. It's, it's not available by keeping commandments alone. Keeping commandments are good, but if, if all we can say about our life is, I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I don't do this, and, I mean, I'm sorry, how long does that stay exciting? It just doesn't. So I think this guy was fighting boredom as much as anything else. Life has got to be more than just not doing anything wrong. Life becomes way too easy, way too predictable, way too comfortable. And, and for a lot of us living again in this fairly wealthy, well-to-do culture where we've got life fairly well arranged and organized, it's easy to fall into the trap of saying, hey, look, man, I'm taking care of my family. I'm paying my bills. My car's clean. My lawn's mowed in my house. I even made my bed. I mean, everything is just like in great shape. I'm not murdering anybody. And then we start putting ourselves on the scale, you know, compared to Hitler, I'm not that bad. And compared to, you know, Bundy, I'm not that bad. And we get all these kind of silly things that make ourselves feel fine. But the problem is that does not breathe life into the human heart. I mean, God loves, God smiles when we keep the commandments. I think there's no question about that. But he said, I didn't come in the person of my son and then leave you with the Holy Spirit just so you can keep doing the same thing you did under the law. There's supposed to be a whole new world here. It's called the kingdom of God that is now near you and in you. Helen Keller is famous for saying, either life is an exciting adventure or it's nothing at all. I mean, Helen Keller, blind, deaf, learned to speak eventually, but I mean, she, she could hardly do anything without help until she learned to make her way around the world, both blind and deaf. And her opinion was just overcoming those limitations in and of themselves, that's great, but there's so much more to life. Once you conquer a few basics, now let's get on with why Jesus came. In John chapter 3, Jesus is asked by Nicodemus about what it means to be born again. And, and this is where Jesus said in, in John 3, 8, the wind blows wherever it wants. You can feel it blow on your face. You can watch it make the branches bend. But you really have no idea where it's going. So it is with the Spirit of God. There's some mystery to it. There's some unknowns about it. There's some, some unmanageable uh, phases to, to God's move. So one of the things that, that we can simply gather is whenever we get to the, the point where, where we say, what am I missing? I'm just getting kind of bored. Man. It's the same old, same old. I kind of got everything under control. I haven't had a, a scary moment or an exciting moment or an adventure for a long time. What do I lack? Well, Jesus' answer is going to be very, very, very unnerving. <laughs> unnerving for this guy, but um, he's going to have a similar answer for us sometimes. But first we have to ask the question, is there more? Is there more? And so in verse 21, where we look at Jesus' answer, he says, I want you to be, no, if you want to be perfect, here's what you need to do. Go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now, the traditional approach to this whole story is the guy was depending on his wealth. He kind of had everything arranged and managed and thought that should be enough, and he's keeping all the commandments, and he's still 
got an empty place in his heart. There's still a hole there. And so when we see Jesus' answer, the, the traditional assumption is that, well, he needed to stop being such a miserly, greedy, self-serving, self-indulgent kind of guy and just quit that bad habit and get rid of everything, and that's what's going to make him holy. That cannot be the right answer. The dependency, sure, that had to be broken. But it wasn't about the money. Because if, if that was the right answer, then that would just be one more thing in the list of to-dos. You know, rich people need to give away all their money to the poor. And that, that's the one missing link, you know. You didn't kill your parents, and now you gave away to the poor, so that's it. You got all ten. Check, 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 check. That can't be the right answer. There's something beneath his answer that I think we have to capture. I think Jesus was trying to say, what you're lacking is a life of the unknown. A life where God really actually is in charge and you're not that brilliant and you don't have it all figured out. It's not mapped out. You don't see everything right now. It's a little confusing, in fact. Your circumstances aren't clear. The future is not clear. There's just a whole lot of unknowns. And it's in that that you trust me. And you finish by saying, follow me. See, the answer Jesus gave him was completely mind-blowing to this guy. I mean, not only because he, he loved his money and what it provided, but, but because it completely shook his world. He's being invited into a life of complete uncertainty. And I would venture to say most of us hate uncertainty. In fact, I, would, I believe that most of us probably... Um, stress over knowing the will of God more than anything else in life. We probably spent more time just wringing our hands and pulling out our hair. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Right? It's just crazy how much time that consumes. But Jesus said, if you're born again, you're going to have an abundant life. You're going to be filled with the Spirit. And out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And following this Holy Spirit is going to be a little confusing sometimes. He will not Spell everything out for us ahead of time. Mark Batterson is a uh, pastor in Washington, D.C., and he's written a book recently um, that kind of triggered some of my thinking. He, the book's called The Wild Goose Chase. And uh, he describes how in, in ancient days the Celtic Christians would call the Holy Spirit. They had a name for the Holy Spirit. I wrote it down. It's almost unpronounceable, but it's on the glass. It means the wild goose. They call the Holy Spirit the wild goose. Now, in our verbiage, you know, that wouldn't be a real compliment. Because, you know, we're, uh, we use the term wild goose. You go on a wild goose chase implying something is not worth chasing down, or once you do capture it, it's not really worth having, or you just get led into all kinds of confusion. Anyway, it's kind of a negative connotation. Batterson says, no, that's not, that's not it at all. The term wild goose, when referring to the Holy Spirit, simply means that you can't tame him. We can't track everything he's doing. That's why Jesus gave us that picture of the wind. We don't know where it's going to blow next. All we see is the evidence that it's been there after it's been there. So the Holy Spirit's the same way. We can't expect to manage God. And a lot of times, like on a wild goose chase, the things God asks us to do 
are kind of confusing. They even seem pointless. They seem kind of like, how can that help, right? And that's exactly what Jesus is saying to this young man. I'm asking you to do something that's just literally going to shake your world, not because the money is evil, not even because your heart is so set on it, but because it's so short-sighted and so shallow compared to what you were designed to experience with God. You're designed to, in that mystery, in that confusion, in that uncertainty, to continue to just say yes anyway. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And that's why I'm so thankful Jesus finished this conversation with the young man by saying, after you've done all that, what? Come follow me. Because that's where the life is. Every Christian will go through seasons of uncertainty, confusion, discomfort, and every one of us is, is going to have the challenge of getting our left brain out of the picture so the right brain can follow Jesus. Now, I know that's not necessarily anatomically correct all the time, but you know, the left, the left brain, at least my left brain, is really strong. I mean, supercharged, strong, ruler of the world kind of strong. Like, it just wants to know everything, control everything, and, and the way I keep, that's the wrong side, the way I keep my left, the left, that's my right brain talking, you see. <laughs> left side of my brain. The way I keep this thing kind of fine-tuned is I, I play Sudoku, and I do words with friends, and I do crosswords, and I do number games, and I'm just keeping this puppy sharp. I mean, I can do that for hours on end. And I'm thinking, you know, this is going to help me, like. And, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, I want to kind of ward off Alzheimer's and whatever else comes along down the road. But the problem is most of us are because we're logical and we're linear and we like to kind of have things sort of lined out for us and figure out how to follow the path, stay on the path. We think that God is kind of a left brain God and that, you know, we look at the Bible with our left brain and we're kind of looking for the, the formula and the math and the boxes to fill in and the things to check off. And he just refuses. Why? He's a wild goose. He just kind of goes where he wants. But our challenge is that we have to recognize there is a method to his madness. There is rhyme and there is reason behind everything he asks us to do. In 2016, not only has God already been to the day that you and I have not yet arrived at, he's already been there, but he actually sees how the things that he's going to ask us to do that day have a perfect place in the grand scheme of things even though we don't see how it could possibly fit. So this young man's challenge was really simple. It's kind of like the challenge that you and I have all the time. One parable Jesus used before refers to it. He said, at another time, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, a little itty bitty 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 bitty, you can say to this mountain, be removed and it'll be cast into the sea. Well, I don't know about you, but as a young Christian, I got taught all kinds of things. You know, you can create buildings with your confessed word and all kinds of stuff. You know, you can say to this and all. I think that's extreme. The essence of that little example, if I have the faith of a mustard seed, what I have to realize is 
Like this man, I have a decision to make. The decision is about this big. It's really super simple. It's a simple decision. And it's about the size of a mustard seed. But if I make the correct decision, by faith, it can change my entire world. And here's the decision. Yes or no? And that's where humongous things happen. By faith that big. Yes, God in spite of my left brain, in spite of circumstances, in spite of all the uncertainty and the discomfort, yes, God. I have no clue how that fits, but yes, God. 2016 will have to be a year in which we just develop that habit more regularly, more consistently, have a stronger yes, and a more willingness to say, Lord, I don't have to know everything. That's the childlike heart I think this man saw that Jesus was after, but it blew his mind when he realized what it meant to actually have one. And so when Jesus challenged him, he said, I'm just not quite ready. Can I say, I might, I, I, I might predict we'll see this guy in heaven. I just think he came around. I think he came around eventually. Could have been St. Francis of Assisi down the road. Who knows? You know, he was rich and gave away everything. We don't know that for sure. But we know that what Jesus was asking him to do was completely within his reach. Yes or no, it's all you have to decide. And it could be a moment-by-moment -moment decision, a big life-changing decision. It could be huge financially. It could be huge geographically. But most of the times, it's just a simple right now. What are you going to do? Keep watching that program on TV or flip the channel? Yes or no? Are you going to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Yes or no? Are you going to forgive the one who offended you? Yes or no? Mountain-moving faith always begins with a simple yes or no. Pam and I were talking about this, and she, she mentioned that it takes a lot of great faith also to endure loss and to trust that God is somehow putting all of that together to work out his perfect will as well, even though it looks like complete backward motion. It takes great faith. Yes or no, I trust that you're in charge. You're there. You're here. You'll never leave me. For 2016, I just want to encourage you to begin again to develop the habit of A, running to Jesus, He's the right place to run to. And secondly, when, when you, we ask him of things and he answers, just say, aye, aye, sir. I think you can ask questions. I agree with you. But why? He might explain or he might just go, none of your business. I mean, it doesn't hurt to ask. Trust me, I got this covered. Or like our little Penelope says when we're trying to help her eat cake and ice cream on the carpet without spilling, and, you know, you can tell there's a disaster about to happen. And Pam went up to her and said, honey, let me help you. She goes, I got this. <laughs> so cute. Now, the, the interesting thing is she taught her one-year-old sister to say the same thing. I got this. <laughs> That's what God's saying to us. He's saying, I got this. Just trust me, obey, and say yes in 2016. Amen. Thank you, Father God, for your precious, precious love, for your precious Son.
Thank you, Holy Spirit, for just inviting us once again into the adventure of a lifetime. Even though things are unknown, uncertain, unclear, one thing we do know, you never fail. You always keep your promises. Your word is true. It's been established before time has began. It will never be moved. It will never change. Your promises are true. So Father, would you identify the areas of application for each of us right now, the the specific thing that we've been saying no to that will come and face us once again, even today. Give us the courage to say yes. In Jesus' mighty name, amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God, hallelujah. It's gonna be be a good year. It's gonna be a good year. God bless you, see you next Sunday. Listening to God's teachings is always so exciting. We hope you have enjoyed this recording and that it has blessed you. Remember to share these messages with others you know and love. Until next time, may God bless and keep you. Here again is Pastor Kevin. Do you ever have thoughts about your purpose in life? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or maybe you walked away and it's time to come home. You know, really our walk with God is about a personal relationship with Him. That's what He wants. I believe that's what we want. I encourage you to take a few moments and allow this message to sink in. Allow His Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. You know, the Bible says that if we draw close to Him, that He will draw close to us. So do that today. God bless.